Connect Her podcast with Lee Cummins is a podcast that shares inspiration, education and connection for the entrepreneur. Hi, I'm Lee Cummins and I'm the founder of Connect Her. I'll be sharing interviews with thought leaders, go-getters, as well as real business owners. And I'll also be sharing tips, thoughts, tools, and also strategies for the motivated lady boss. So join me for each episode. Don't forget, if you'd like to connect, you can visit our website, connecther.com.au. My name's Lee Cummins. I'm the founder of Connect Her. And each week I endeavour to bring somebody special onto the show so that you get to experience some great information. Hopefully it helps you, your business and your personal development as well. So Kylie took a massive step just recently and has opened up her own Connect Her event in WA and she is our leader for our Perth event. So welcome Kylie, how are you? Great, thank you, Lee. Thanks for having me. I'm very pleased. I said to you the other day, we need you on Lunch and Learn because you've got some interesting information, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot that you share. And um, first of all, before we get started, who is Kylie Bonner? Tell us a little bit about you. (laughs) Well, (laughs) so um, I am a mum of three and uh, two of my kids have special needs. Uh, I'm a military wife. My husband's in the Defence Force and we move around the country a lot. So we were very lucky at the start of this year, we posted to Perth and um, from Wodonga. <laughs> so I'm watching all my friends have a lot of uh, emotional and physical and work-related turmoil at the moment. And just coming from Victoria, my husband was in uh, Melbourne last year, right in the middle. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, so I have... I wear a lot of hats. I've got, um, I'm uh, on the National Committee for the Military Wives Choir and I um, am a creatrix transformologist is my uh, my day job, I suppose, but I'm very passionate about helping women. I've worked with women for um, nearly 20 years um, across a lot of few businesses. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's who I am. Excellent. Now I want to hear a little bit more about the hats that you wear. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about those hats? Oh, so which hats would you like to know about? All of them. Because <laughs> we as business women and mums and wives and sisters and, and daughters and all the hats that we wear, uh, it can get challenging sometimes. So why don't, and, and I'm sure the ladies that are watching today, the live or watching the replay or even listening to the podcast, I'm sure all of them have many hats that they flick on and off on a regular basis. So tell us a few, you know, a little bit about your hats. Yeah, so um, so I guess my hats all, the only time I became aware of hats was a few, oh, probably 15 years ago actually. And I remember um, a mentor, a business mentor of mine was telling me about the thinking hats and there's all different coloured hats. And honestly, I cannot remember what they were, but I remember... The, the theory behind it was about how we can be emotional or we can be, um, you know, dreamers or we can be terribly, um, really in deep, dark thoughts almost, like quite pessimistic, I suppose, if you're thinking about it from a business perspective. But we need all of the hats because they all make us one. So, um, so I, I guess that's 
kind of stuck in my mind. Um, so yeah, so I guess it, and it all began my self development journey. I suppose all began because uh, I was I met my husband at the time we weren't married, um, but he was defence. So I moved from uh, where we met in Canberra to Townsville to be with him, and um, so I was not single, but not didn't have kids, and uh, I didn't have a job. So I thought I'll just get into this direct selling thing to make a few friends. So that's where it all began. Well, direct selling, <laughs> if anyone's ever done it, it's an, an incredible journey of self-development if you follow the journey and the career path. And um, the development is in you, but it's also in you developing other people in their business. So, because if you want to be successful, that's how a lot of the multi-level marketing and those sort of things become about. So I was doing that a lot and um, still, you know, we all have hats at all different stages. So I was still a wife and oh, a partner. So I had my partner and I was single. I had my dogs, I had my fair kids and at the time and um, I was a businesswoman and I wanted to work. I was kind of driven. I was very, I was 20, early 20s. Um, yeah, and so that was kind of the start of the journey. But then when you go into that developing other people, you have to you have to develop yourself to be able to work with other people because not everyone is like you <laughs> so, oh, absolutely <laughs> yeah and it's interesting that you talk about um direct sales and multi-level marketing i've always said that they're personal development companies with a product attached because they really do work on um your head your thinking uh your mindset and it really does start you on that journey doesn't it yeah, and, and I think that's the thing. Anyone who does well in them is really good at the personal development stuff. Um, I mean, there's some people who, I guess, come in and do really well on the product because they love the product for a very short space of time. And they, and when I say short space of time, my company was um, one of the longest in Australia. So it had been around forever. And it was, um, uh, it was all about women helping women and some of those women had been in there for 32 years, but if they weren't developing other people, uh, if they weren't developing themselves, they sort of weren't developing other people. So they could do really well with part of the business of selling products and they'd be amazing at selling products. They were fantastic salespeople, but they often were um, not getting what they wanted because they couldn't see that they needed to develop themselves personally. So yeah. yeah. And would you say that um, that was the transition or that was the stepping stone into what you're doing now? Is that uh, how that so, came about or am I uh, jumping the, the gun? <laughs> yeah. So the other hat was my children. So for, um, so as I said earlier, two of my kids have got special needs and for a, a long period of time, for about seven years in amidst working and um, doing my thing and helping other women, was I was trying to research to try and fix them um as in fix your children or fix yeah, the yeah. other people in your business no i fix my children okay yeah <laughs> so, and their special needs which is very and that's an interesting self-development in itself because you can't like it's you can do everything you can but you don't have control over that so um no so yeah so anyway but i was doing a lot of research and working with a lot of very very well-educated professors and um, of medicines different types I've got two different special needs so we've got autism 
on the one hand, we've got epilepsy on the other hand. So um, working with all those people really gave me a very, um, a lot of research. There was so much reading that I did and um, talking to different people and working with all those people. I just kept coming up with brick walls and dead ends. And um, But I kept hitting this one about epigenetics. I had no idea what that was. But I just kept going, everything was saying that science, the latest science is epigenetics. And when we understand epigenetics, we'll be able to turn off the genes. So we'll be able to turn off the autism gene. Well, I don't know if you've ever known anyone with autism, but autism is not a genetic thing. <laughs> There's no genes for autism. Um, so how do you turn off a gene that isn't there? Like you, yeah. yeah. But anyway, science was saying that one day we'll be able to. So, but no, no one really knew much about science. Like, they, they knew about epigenetics, but they didn't know how that worked with people and and stuff like that. So I kept getting these brick balls. And in the process of then I was still working, um, trying to wear all the hats, trying to balance it all. I wasn't really achieving much. I um, My grandmother got cancer and was given six months to live. Um, my granddad had always been sick, so I moved back home to sort of look after the family and try and help them get them set up so that when she died that granddad wasn't you know, that he had Coles online or whatever set up that I could get the groceries from three states away delivered to his door. And, and um, yeah, so life was going on, but nothing was going how I wanted it to be going. And I ended up having to um, step down from the managerial position in my role just because I couldn't juggle the kids with their needs, my husband's work going away all the time and um, everything. And, and there's something that you missed there as well, oh, what's that? which is you. Oh, yeah, well, you know, like, exactly. You're, you're you kids. <laughs> no, no. Where's Kylie? She's lost in being She's the mum and being the, the wife and being the carer from three you're states exactly away right. and the manager and, you know, mm. working with her team. So there's a lot going on there and we miss the most important person. Yeah, well, if only you'd been in my life back then, yeah. <laughs> maybe you would have pointed that out to me. But yeah. um, but exactly. So, um, and as it went on, uh, the more I tried to get help from doctors and things like that, that just weren't helping and, uh, and I was killing myself, just trying to be all that and more to everyone, but not being me uh, and looking after me. So, um, yeah, so I did, I ran away from home. I've, I've had a, had a moment, <laughs> had a hissy fit and ran away from home for a month. And um, yeah, the rest, as they say, is history. Because while I was away, another colleague of mine said, you've got to speak to this other colleague of ours because she's been developing a thing for women and that'll help all your headspace. And I was like, oh, I'm too broken. No one can fix me. And uh, it'll be okay because I've come away. And then when I go back, it'll all be better because I'll be better. But of course, I went back and like I actually flew in after a month away, I flew in at 4pm and my husband flew out at 6 o'clock the next morning or some, or maybe he was on the 6 o'clock plane actually, I think it was like that night. So <laughs> he picked me up and he left on probably the same plane in Albury, that's how that worked there. And um, and a month later it was exactly back to where it was before I went. I felt like I hadn't had a month's holiday and I rang that friend and I rang the other friend that we'd been talking about and yeah, so that's where I then, and she, uh, Actually, I didn't ring her straight away. She put a post on about epigenetics and how she was helping women change their epigenetics and that was changing their lives. And I was like, what? 
that's not possible because I've been looking at epigenetics for seven years <laughs> and no one's got answers and how can you have answers? I was quite obnoxious about it. But, um, but yeah, so then that took me down a different rabbit warren and, um, and a doctor at the time, she was saying that you've got to deal with trauma and trauma for me at that point was that my kids had special needs and doctors weren't listening and that was my trauma in its um, current impact. Not that I would have realised it then, I knew that they weren't listening and I was hitting dead ends, but I, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because um, actually my husband and I had this conversation just yesterday or the day before that, you know, you can move like you you ran away for a month and the, the, the view changes, but the problems and, and everything that's underlying all... all you. I can fix that. Yeah, it's on, a, it's on a bag. It's on your shoulder. <laughs> you can't get rid of it. It follows you. And uh, we were just talking exactly about that. Um, we've got some friends that are planning to move uh, into state and the problems never change uh, until you address those. So um, we've actually had a question come in, which I'm going to um, get you to answer. It's from Jacqueline Smith. She's asked, Kylie, what steps did you take to build your personal support network? So I'll get you to answer that. And then I'm going to ask you to explain what epigenetics is. Mm. You've explained it to me. I understand it quite reasonably well now, yeah. reasonably. <laughs> um, but I'll get you to ask, answer that question. And then I'm going to ask you to please share with everybody what epigenetics is. Yeah, so, so the steps I took to build my personal support network, uh, honestly, that comes from working on me, to be honest. Like I said, that... Um, I had to, uh, I don't think I realised back then that I was very stubborn and that I didn't like asking for help. And I couldn't ask for help, I thought, because um, because of our situation. We were never with family. I'd ask for help maybe with the kids, like to someone look after them if I had to, but only if I had to, or for work. So building my personal support network was really I guess about having that courage to admit that maybe I needed help. That was the first step. And then, um, yeah, and then um, taking the steps from there. So, like, but we move all the time. So that question, I'm not really sure what you want from maybe Jacqueline, you could share what, which direction you want that to be in because we move all the time. So I always have to build a personal support network. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so maybe and if you don't mind, Jacqueline, if you could just um, clarify if it's about when, if it's the... Physical or... Yeah, if it's yeah. the every time we move thing, because I mean, I've done, I've lived in 20 houses in 20 years, so I know, I know exactly how to do that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, so, but back to the question about epigenetics. Oh, I just, I'll just oh, yeah, also sorry, add, sorry, sorry Kylie, but yeah. this is such a great subject. Um, the other thing too is that we as women and men do it as well, we don't ask for help because we've got to be the strong one. We've got to be the one that is the glue. Like you've probably got to be the glue because hubby's got to go away. So you've got to make sure you're the glue for all the kids. Um, you've got to be the glue for sick parents. You've got to be the glue for yourself. So you don't ask, you don't ask for help because mm. uh, well, I can't because I've got to keep everything together. And mm. 
Yeah. Or you'll and get someone else say no when you need it the most. Or yeah. people, yeah. And actually, I really want to say that that is such a perception. And until we change our perception, we can't, we can't actually, we can't be all that we want to be until we change our perception of ourselves and yeah. our perception of others. And I think that is the biggest gift for any woman to figure that out. Mm -hmm. um, and to bring that into her body aligned. So head, heart and gut instinct, like bring all that together and into a knowing. Because if, as women, if we have our heart is on track or um, believing that we should be able to ask for help or we need help or uh, we want help or we need a break or whatever it is for women, our heart might say that and tell us, or our head actually, you know, when we get overwhelmed and our head's saying you need to take a break or else you're going to get a break. <laughs> and, but our heart sits there and says, no, but I've just got to do this one more thing for the kids and I've got to, I've got to make the costume for the bloody play at school tomorrow or dress up thing or whatever it is. So you will push harder and, but you got instinct saying, if I do something else, then this will happen. And actually what, tends to happen is we listen to one and ignore the others for our own reasons which are epigenetics which we'll get to that in a minute but um and we forget that if they were all in alignment actually everything happens much easier and everything happens really beautifully so, they're all singing they're all singing the same 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 song yeah it's almost mm -hmm. like you're on a train track just imagine like a three-way train track and your head and your heart and your gut and if you if your wheels aren't aligned to the three of them then you're going in like the train can't go anywhere actually because it goes in yeah all yeah. directions yeah so we've had a couple of comments um Esther, sometimes we don't ask for help because we think people won't understand or they judge us or think we're just complaining very true and what happens if we fall apart what then so very very uh, poignant points there yeah so so epigenetics yes so, let um, us find out all about yeah, it so because Esther's comment really brings me back to that because so epigenetics in the simplest term is actually if everyone knows about DNA epigenetics that's your DNA is your genes, your genetics. Epigenetics is the thing that wraps around the outside that tells that DNA when to turn on and off or how to act or how to behave. It's the, the energy compound, I suppose you'd say, to make that, to, that fire that piston on, turn it on, turn it off. Um, so epigenetics, when we look at Esther's comment about, what did she say about that people won't understand or they'll judge us, that again is our perception. But the epigenetics of that is the inherited traits that work with that. So you might have a thing about someone judging you. Generally, that hasn't come from you. That comes through our ancestral line and our inherited stuff. Now your epigenetics is the inherited stuff that is like the knowing of the genes how to work. So when your mum and your dad come together, they put your DNA together, but how do you have those gut instincts and that knowing is because of this incredible phenomenon of this epigenetic 
the epigenome that sits around the DNA that tells it how to act and behave. Because we've actually got the same amount of DNA as a tree, but what makes us a, a human being that thinks and acts and does, whereas they're just a tree. And I say just a tree, I'm, I love trees. <laughs> but they tree are hugging. just a tree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, whereas we can move, we can think, we can do, we can be, we can feel and everything like that. So the, the, the DNA is not the thing, the thing that makes us smart and who we are as human beings is our epigenetic. Now, I really got it. You've explained it to me a couple of times in the past, particularly when I first met you uh, over in Perth when we had that meeting of what is epigenetics? And it's sort of, I listened, but I didn't really take it in. Mm. And um, what really cemented it for me was um, I've been watching that show on SBS, which is um, Who Do You Think You Are? And I had uh, Julie Bishop on, um, you know, the politician. Yep, yep. And um, she had been researching her mother's side and she didn't know anybody from there. And some of the traits that came up, she said, oh, my gosh, that is where I must have got it from, from my great-great-grandfather twice removed sort of thing. And I just went, oh, that's epigenetics. You know, like, it's that. Because obviously, you know, you get, um, like, if you put my mum next to me, we, we look alike. Um, I've got the same hands as her. Yes, we can get all of that coming down through our DNA, but I, I really got it when I, you know, uh, was watching that show. Um, yes, all those memories, all those things that our ancestors have gone through has to have come through. That's how we get some of the things that we get. Why can you have somebody that can sing beautifully, but neither both parents are tone deaf? Like it's got to have come from somewhere through through the, the makeup of, of the person. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's the thing to remember that science, for all the wonderful things that science can do for us, it totally disregarded who we are as human beings for a long time because they knew about genetics and DNA. And they were actually taking that coil off to study the DNA. And, um, and if you just think about, like I, I'm a real passionate advocate for men and women and who they are. And I don't say men and women as in that there's only two genders. Um, or anything like that. I don't come into the gender thing. But if you're born with a uterus, your cells are all female cells and they look at things differently. So your eyes see the world differently to what a male sees the world. His eyes are different. The cells in his eyes see things in periphery. He is the protector. He has to watch for the saber-toothed tiger jumping out of the trees and be strong and able to fight and carry on all day women we can fight and we've become these we've evolved to these people who can fight and we're very good at it uh, and <laughs> but our nature is not about fighting our nature is to we can cover everything in one like we can look around a room and just know everything we've got to be able to cook the meal and um keep a kid from falling in the creek because you know that's we're there to nurture and protect and to teach and to guide now when you come to giving birth so yes you've got a sperm and an egg 
And interestingly, my favourite fascinating fact about the human body is that an egg is the largest cell in the human body and a sperm is the smallest cell. <laughs> but, <laughs> just fascinating fact, um, but then that is implanted into a uterus, which is in the woman's body. So, so you might have 50-50 coming together to make a baby, but then you've got nine months of 100% being the woman and her learnings and her knowings to help us to evolve to be better better beings, smarter, safer, all that stuff. And if you disregard that fact, you're disregarding everything that science has kind of created. So it, it didn't, science didn't know about epigenetics for a long time because it didn't understand it and it still doesn't understand it, which is kind of good, but it's kind of terrible for us because we forgot who we were designed to be and we were designed to be these amazing human beings. And until we remember that, sometimes we forget who we are and how we're meant to be. We're meant to not have issues and um, we're not meant to have um, depression for 10 years of our lives or 20 or 30 years. We're not meant to have that sort of stuff. We're meant to have it, move through it and be, be on to the next thing. And like um, anxiety, you're meant to have anxiety because the saber-toothed tiger might be there, but it's not meant to rule your life forever. A small snippet of time yeah, for that particular like a, issue or, or situation that's occurred, not a long, intense yeah. period of anxiety. Yeah, I get yeah. that. Yeah, any emotion, like joy. Yeah. You're meant to have joy, you're meant to have, but everything's opposite, isn't it? Everything's got a, it's a pendulum, it's got to be balanced. And mm. so you're meant to have joy, but you're also meant to have sadness. Like we weren't being born as humans to not have anyone die on us. Like we're supposed to know about death and grief and um but to know death and grief you also then know the depth of love and and um and sharing and and all that humanity mm. stuff yeah like if you didn't have sadness in your life you're not going to appreciate the joy that comes in because you exactly. don't know you know it's the the yin and the yang the black and the white these yeah these complete opposites and and um to, to it all so yeah so Kylie, you work with uh, women, um, particularly those that are in the forces or in, um, uh, oh, no, I can't think of it. Emergency services. Emergency yeah, services, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you also work with business women, yeah. primarily women. How does epigenetics work and assist business women? Yeah, so epigenetics, um, so sometimes it's just the education of knowing that stuff and if you know that stuff then you can understand why it's there or how it works but i also work with women um, and business women with teaching them about the female cycle uh, so one thing that we are in life taught a lot as women it's certainly through my generation so i'm trying to change that with my daughter's generation but she's still being taught the same stuff is that we have our period from day um, when we're about 13 years old puberty till menopause and that's it. Well, actually, as women, we have a, a cycle um, from the day we're born to the day we die. And uh, no one knows that and no one teaches that. And until people understand that cycle and then understand how to work with that cycle and work that cycle as, as women, as I was saying before, we're amazing at being able to do all and be all and, and, uh, and wear all those hats and, and do all that. But we're not designed to be able to do that. We're not designed with the testosterone that keeps our hormones there so that we can go all day and then sleep and then do it again the next day. 
we are this flowing up and down cycle of that. Um, and then when you understand that cycle, the amazing thing is, is that you don't push yourself when you're in the space of that you should be sort of resting a bit more. Like we often know that we should be resting, but we have to get these things done. So you push yourself and then you end up crashing when you could be working really, 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 really intensely productively. And um, I've got a little bug thing flying around me, sorry. <laughs> so, um, so just knowing that for women in business is freedom because you don't then give yourself the guilt trip. Oh, I should have got this done, this done, and this done. Whereas actually, you know that you should be watching Netflix for three days a month so that you can just rest your body because that's what your body needs so that it can go 100% the next three weeks. But we don't do that. We're not allowed to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. It's interesting when I, um, I don't know, I was probably from about four to 30, I suffered from um, severe debilitating like hospitalization migraines and it was primarily around that hormonal period of time and I would push 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 because I had a high pressure job particularly you know from my 20s to 30 and beyond um, where I'd push myself and then I'd come crashing down and I'd be off for four days with a migraine in hospital or um, you know emergency and what have you if I'd known uh, which I did know that it was based around my hormones, but if I thought I'm just going to take it easy for those days and then power on around those days, mm -hmm. it would have made life so much simpler. If I'd had well, you around then, I would have known. I know. <laughs> well, and that was my thing. So um, for all those years that I worked with women in business, I was telling them that they should be going for their production and they should be um, pushing themselves to do this, this and this every single time. And there's actually times of the month, like, you know, um, indirect sales, you've got to talk to people. Well, there's times of the month that you're really good at talking to people and you want to talk to people and you're happy to talk to people. Even if you don't like people, <laughs> you are much more productively talking to people as opposed to in those other times, you're not going to get the results you want just because, just because your energy isn't where you, as a businesswoman, it's, we believe it should be here all the time. We don't make allowances that actually if this week we just did some stuff that was a bit more creative and a bit more quiet, worked on my business instead of in my business, something like that. Just that simple little adjustment actually then makes this phenomenal difference in business for women, for them, for their, um, and then, and that then in, infects or ripples out to their um their personal beliefs about themselves and their um their their goals and their dreams i don't, I don't like the word goals for women because it it pushes us out of that space of knowing and being in flow with who we are and just understanding ourselves and giving ourselves a break but but the words in business is very much like that so because then we achieve them and we achieve them easily and so then we're more happy and so when we're more happy, we go home and guess what? Everyone's happier. <laughs> and yes. The world ticks along better and, and everything's great. Excellent. And, and that's so true. If we can get, if we can get to that point um, where it's all melding together, because, you know, people go, oh, it's, um, you know, the work-life balance. Well, it's actually just life balance. Work and life are one in the same. It's all your life. So well, it's, it's just about, life, isn't it? It's just yeah, just, balance. It just is. <laughs> yeah, 
Exactly. Yeah. Now, um, I'm just going to go to some of the comments. Um, Jacqueline's yeah. come back and she said, it's important to have a support network in our lives, regardless of what we do. I'm interested to know, when did your mindset change to say, I need help or someone to talk to? Managing family business and a husband that is away a lot would put extra strain on yourself. Yeah, so um, so when I ran away from home and I met up with my colleague, um, her name was Jen, and she told me to speak to Naz. And so, um, of course, I came back and everything wasn't the same. And then by the next month, I was like, okay, <laughs> I've got to do something. And, um, and it, it all came at the same time that um, I'd gone to the doctor and asked for the happy pills because I wasn't coping. And that was the, and I had this amazing doctor who was very trauma informed and, and stuff. And she said, look, you've got this far and you've put up with so much worse than what you're dealing with now. Like it, it really was, I'd come through this massive hump. She's very NLP trained. So she was like, let's just give it another week and then we can look at the meds. And in that week, then we're going to do a parenting class to make you feel better. Well, the parenting class got canceled. So, you know, when you're relying on that one thing, um, and that doesn't work. So, and that's the thing, isn't it? Sometimes you're relying on one person or one thing. It might be one friend. It might be something, and then they let you down as as well <laughs> when you're in that mind space. Uh, so I decided that I had nothing left to give or nothing left to lose. Now, in hindsight, at the t at the time, I didn't think I was quite there because that's why I went and got the drugs so that they'd help me. But in hindsight, I think I was possibly getting borderline, maybe suicidal. Uh, at the time, I hadn't said anything about it though, but I just know that a few things happened in the next few weeks that I would never have just, I would never have survived if I hadn't had the next step in place. So having that next step and I booked in to have a breakthrough with Creatrix and that was the thing. And it, it, Creatrix works on the sort of three levels of the mind, the conscious and the unconscious and the subconscious. So the, the conscious mind, as I'll say to um, my clients, is the stuff that conscious is, you want it to change. You don't want to live in that shitty time all your life. You want it to change. You want the, you might, but you might want it, but your subconscious kind of puts things out there that doesn't quite make it happen. Then your unconscious mind, its whole job is to keep you safe and alive. So you've actually got to get them all three into a space that then you can move forward. And what happened was, is that I guess I made that decision that if I hadn't, have made that decision. I, I know I wouldn't be here now because I would have, I would, I wouldn't have been able to continue like I was. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So thank, thank you for sharing that. Mm. And um, and there's a lot of people that get into that uh, dark space where they just don't. They, there's no light. They they can't see a way out or a way forward. Um, so it's great that you had some things in place to take mm. you to that. That way yeah, I guess I just had enough people, just the right people who really breathed that belief into me that there was a, there was another option. But I had nothing left to lose, actually. I think I was at that space that, you know, if it didn't work, then I'd just go and do that. Yeah. It's not terrible to be in that space. It's like, scary, yeah. Um, but there's so many people out there. Like, I, I didn't think at the time, I thought that was really abnormal. But now I, I've seen so many people, and it may not be quite that severe, but oftentimes it's just that we just go along with things as they are because we, even though we don't like it, you'll, you know, women stay with husbands that don't dote on them and love them because they think that they're not worth anything more and they won't get anything better. Like, mm. that's not how it should be. 
No, and look, I, I have uh, family members that have um, taken their own lives and they just couldn't find a way out. And, um, and it's probably more prevalent than we actually realise. And, um, and, and it's good that there's, there's opportunities out there to you know, shine a light and, and do, do some things to help ourselves. Mm -hmm. So um, a couple of uh, points from Esther. Um, first of all, how does hysterectomy change things? But if you still have your ovaries, should things be the same? Yeah, so I can do a whole webinar on that one. Um, so a hysterectomy takes out the uterus. If you've still got your ovaries, the hormones are still going, but you don't have the clearance of the, um, the shedding of the cells of the blood and stuff, so it's a renewing. Uh, I'm a big believer that periods are really empowering now. I didn't used to be, but um, when you understand the cycle of it, it's, it's such a beautiful system that we have that we can shed every single month and not die. Like imagine if you lost that much blood, <laughs> any other thing, you'd be quite a sick person. So um, if you've had a hysterectomy, um, if, if you have a complete hysterectomy, you're still a female at, at, at the core of you. Um, it may bring up other stuff around, but that's about, that'll be about personal and self beliefs and stuff. Um, if you have still got your ovaries, like it's all connected. So our brain still is wired as if we have our uterus. Um, the hormones will still be reacting if you've still got your ovaries, so you'll still have that um, chemical interaction, a chemical, I say, hormonal. Um, the, the ovaries release a thing which then releases the pituitary gland, which releases the adrenals, like everything's all connected. So um, if you take one thing away, it does change how it works within you, but it doesn't actually change the cells in that um, belief. So it actually works for anyone if they've had menopause or if they've had um, a hysterectomy, if they do choose to live transgender and they want to live as a man because they don't want to be a woman, then that it still works if you were born with a uterus versus if you weren't born with a uterus. It's a totally different system of how we see the world and how the world is perceived by us. So, um, so yeah, so it doesn't change and our cycle still actually happens. It's just a different cycle. So uh, I have some of my clients, if they are past beyond menopause or they've had a hysterectomy, I give them a different worksheet maybe to track their cycle with their hormones if they need it. Depends on who they are and where they're at. Excellent. Um, Esther has also uh, put, uh, it's about hitting rock bottom and it becomes your normal, which is, which is true. Yeah. You develop yourself to 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 your normal, uh, which is what we're doing with lockdown, isn't it? We're we're adjusting to our new normal, and and exactly the same. You don't know any different. Yeah. Excellent. Well, and actually, I'll just challenge you on that, Lee, because I think that's the thing, isn't it? The people who aren't coping with lockdown or don't like lockdown, it's because it is a new normal, and that it's because they do know something different that. And that's the same with your body. So with um, epigenetics, that's exactly the thing. You might have um, believe something and do something and you've had the evidence shown to your reticular activation system in your brain, um, which is your unconscious brain's way of showing you what you need to see to believe what you believe. Um, while you have that evidence, then you have the thing about this sort of a thing when it's a change, when it's a change, so the reason lockdown so severe is because we do know a different thing. 
and that's where epigenetics is. It's our body's knowing of things, whereas our brain shows us other things. Right, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I explain that very well, but it's like no. the knowing versus the understanding. Like you might understand why you should have to, like everyone probably understands kind of why they should be staying at home and doing the right things and all those things that the government's trying to get people to do. But then when that doesn't happen, because of all the reasons why, like people, if they've been in prison, they're not going to like lockdown. They're going to um, fight lockdown and they're going to, that that's, very much i mean it might be this lifetime for some of them if they're refugees but if it if it's a um if you have lived a normal probably australian upbringing that you've had freedom and you've had um you know we we have quite a beautiful life over here we don't have people armed with guns standing at the shop doors and stuff like that like they do in a lot of countries so if you've had that upbringing then you do know it's a different thing but why doesn't your body like it and that's because it's probably experienced something like it before and it fights against that yeah yeah absolutely excellent um so uh jacqueline's come back and she said thank you for sharing i guess it's part of changing our behaviors and knowing what we're doing is not the right way but being honest with ourselves for change yeah and embracing the change because as hard as it can be it leads to the biggest, most beautiful transitions for us, especially as women. Like we're used to big, bold transitions. Like our bodies know about, like we can create a baby and we can push it out in nine months. You know, our body knows transition and it knows that even every month, if you look at our cycle, our body knows the transition and, and the way it works. If we don't embrace that cycle, then we push against it and we don't get what we, um, well, it just is harder to push against it. It's harder yeah. to, yeah, to defy something than it is to just go with it. And which leads me to Esther's um, comment of flexibility. So, yeah. Yes. Now, um, I think uh, we've had a good conversation about epigenetics. I hear that you have got a book coming out soon. Oh, I hear about that. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure publisher about that one. Um, so, <laughs> been a bit. <laughs> Waylaid this year. So anyway, I've got a beautiful book coming out called um, Brave Bitches and it's the stories of women like me. So women in the emergency services and defence who are living a life that they they didn't sign up for necessarily, like we chose it I suppose because we married our husbands maybe you might say, but um, or we signed up maybe to serve in the ambulance or police or defence or whatever and we we end up on a path that maybe we didn't ever understand or realize so i'm just telling those stories that um sort of shine the light on the people who are supporting the people who are doing the job i i guess this year has been quite a good example of that like i think we've had more light shine on those sort of roles before this year because of because of corona like that's quite a beautiful thing that we've had people stopping and thinking about who are the people behind those people. Say we've got the nurses and the doctors in the hospitals this year. Behind them are their families. And, you Did know, you most of them have made sacrifices. You know, like they've said, it's been quite public that they've chosen to send their children to other family members or whatever so that they don't infect them, which is quite noble. But actually, that's what defence and the emergency services do all the time. Yes, it's, it's interesting. Um... Again, I've just had this conversation recently where, um, you know, this over here in Melbourne, um, the 
home of AFL football, uh, say that very loosely, um, where the you know they're, they're sending all the football teams off to to go and go in a hub for a month or six weeks or something to you know so that they can play football, and uh, it's like it's the worst thing ever, and the fact is that like the cricketers do that every year, uh, the defence services do that every single day that they get um, sent to a different location and it could be overseas it could be uh, in much you know they're not living a lifestyle of a, in a, a beautiful um, setting of a five-star hotel with you know golf course and the whole bit yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking oh gee you poor hard done by boys um, so you know I mean that that's just uh, flippant as far as I'm concerned for them but uh, it does shine a light on that people are making sacrifices away from their families or as you say parents are saying I have to send my children to another household so that I don't infect them you've got husbands and um and wives that are that are staying elsewhere and not going back to the family home so that they don't infect their full family which also means that that other parent has to take on the role of two parents. So, um, and their kids have got to sacrifice. They're not seeing mum or dad on a regular basis. So I think it's a, a fantastic thing that you're doing, shining these lights on people that it's always happened, but we haven't necessarily shine, shine, acknowledged it, yeah. acknowledged it and, and shine the light on it. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just saying about fires, flood, corona. Yeah, so uh, the latest thing for defence is that they've got 10 hours sometimes notice of going to corona now this, this last couple mm. of days. Um, but, you yeah, know, that the, the football guys kicking up a storm, a stink, was very... Um, Hilarious. Well, it was heavily discussed among the, the spouses. <laughs> yeah. But um, been, been a topic do, of conversation at our household too. Yeah, I do feel for them. Like it's so funny because I'm an old hat at that. Like I, I can do that with my eyes closed. I don't like it at all, but uh, I can do it. And most military wives are exactly the same. Like, you know, we live in a navy town actually now, so we're army, and the navy, the navy chicks are hardcore. Like the wives, they're hardcore. They they go away and they, they can't can't even contact you. Whereas at least when the army goes away. Usually they have the comms set up fairly quickly that you can hear from them now sort of fairly regularly. Like, I mean, 20 years ago, it wasn't quite like that, but mm. you hear from them fairly regularly. So, um, I mean, if they're here in Corona in Australia or the bushfires, they could still call home and be a bit more present, but then that takes them away from doing their work and stuff. So yeah, I guess it's the notice, the amount of time that they get and, and I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Because Corona snuck up on everyone. If everyone had a year to plan for Corona, then they would have all been like, okay, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. But I mean, we met and then the next week Corona was the thing. Like, like we knew well, it was a thing. I know. It wasn't a thing. And then suddenly it was a thing. Well, we, we met and I went home that night and um, there was talk that they were going to close down the borders. And yeah. I'm like, close down the borders? Oh, it's stupid what's going on and um and i virtually i flew out and the next saturday the borders were closed so um and that was in march so this has all happened we, we haven't had notice 
in the space we of four months or something. Yeah. yeah, we haven't had the time to build the shed and put all the toilet paper in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. We should um, have now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Kylie, this has been such an interesting conversation and I really do thank you for sharing uh, your journey with us and, and being so open as well. And um, and I would uh, like everybody that if you're interested in finding out more about what Kylie does, just uh, go to her Facebook page. Is it, sorry, is it a page or a group? Uh, that uh, one that I sent you was a page. Yeah, so reignite the fire within, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's a um, Facebook page. We'll put it in the comments, uh, reignite the fire within. And there's a whole lot of information there that you'll be able to get in touch with Kylie. and. We'll also put the links in the show notes on our podcast and also in the Connect Her Collective so um, that you can get as much information about Kylie as possible. So is that the best place for people to contact you and Kylie? Yeah, it is at the moment because the website's having a bit of a revamp and stuff. So yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Excellent. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining us today and, and sharing all of that information and I think it was just um, really fantastic. Well, thank you <laughs> Hey, not so fast. We love to stay connected and we hope that you will. It's really easy. We've got our website, connecther.com.au. If you like Facebook, then we've got some great opportunities for you. We've got our Connect Her page as well as our Connect Her Collective. This is a great online networking tool. We also have our Connect Her Marketplace where you can promote your business every single day of the week, any day of the week, and once a day. If you prefer Instagram, then head over to Instagram and check out Connect Her AU. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, just simply check out Lee Cummins. So don't forget to stay connected.